What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John Deletti. Hope you guys are having a great Wednesday today. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And today I have a special guest on the podcast. I'm sure you know him from Twitter, goes by CERN on Twitter. It's Matt Cerniak. He will be joining us today. I did a discussion, uh, debate with him about the Dolphins uh, here on the podcast. So without further ado, here is Matt Cerniak. So guys, we have CERN, Matt CERN here on the podcast. Matt, thanks for joining. How you doing, man? Doing well. Uh, School's over. I'm a teacher, so... This is my time to shine. Uh, another summer of CERN uh, is yeah. upon us, and I'm looking forward to every moment of it. Awesome, man. So uh, let's start off, you know, talking about today's practice. Uh, you know, yesterday, uh, we, could, we could talk about it, discuss it, but, um, you know, yesterday's practice was probably, I mean, for my money, again, I'm only 22. I'm turning 23 soon, so I don't nice. have, like, too much of a knowledge about, like, the past Dolphins aside from, you know, basically the crappy last 15 years. Um, but I, I can't remember a practice that over height or that um, over criticized or talked about that much uh, Two obviously throwing five interceptions. One of them being a tip ball. They played in a monsoon. Um, you know, what were your thoughts about kind of the whole media and fan reaction to his day yesterday? I, I barely heard anything about it. Jeez. Um, <laughs> There wasn't many people really discussing too much about the mini camp practice yesterday. Um, but no, yeah, the Tua Tonga Bailoa, our guy, threw five INTs in a gorilla monsoon, and it got spoken about as if, you know, maybe he should be cut, like maybe right now. He, you know, it was spoken about by a lot of the lead guys, the lead dogs in the Miami writing world. As if, like, yeah, this guy, you're not supposed to do this. Aaron Rodgers would never do this, though I'm sure he has. And, yep, it got it got played out to the billionth degree of everybody, you know, having a take on it. And that's just what's going to happen with Tua. Everything he does, if he blinks the wrong way, there's going to be blogs, articles, podcasts, uh, billboards put up there. Like, what do we do about this? How, why, did he do it the right way? I'm not sure. You know, uh, Dan Marino didn't blink like that. So it's just going to be part of what's going to happen between or what's going to happen between now and beginning of the actual regular season where everything this kid does is going to be everywhere because like it or not, he's one of the most polarizing guys, not just in the Dolphins, but in the whole entire league. And that's just the way it goes right now, for better or worse. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I... I, I was similar with you on like the whole um, like do it, it, it's just the thing that bothers me is like when Tua does something, as you said, it's talked about so much when so many other quarterbacks, if they do the same thing, like no one cares at all. Like I talked a lot about how, so two or three, five interceptions. And obviously, you know, today's day that he had is, you know, looking at it, it's better, right? We'll talk about today, how, how, how yes. well he did today. But um, like I researched a crap load about like, is this normal? And quarterbacks like Mahomes, Rogers, um, like Brady, they love when they throw interceptions in practice 
and they literally have said like, I enjoy throwing interceptions in practice because it tells me what I can't and can get away with in game time situations. And I loved what Tua said yesterday about it. And even Flo, when they talked about it, they said like, yeah, obviously, you know, you don't want to make that many mistakes, but like, if there's a time to make them, it's in practice. And I just, for me, I don't get what the, what the like big deal about a guy throwing interceptions in practices, because I'm like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. He's learning. Like the, that's, that's part of it. It's not fits where he's throwing, you know, five interceptions in an actual game. Like this guy has never shown you anything in his career, whether it's at Tuscaloosa or in Miami that, that makes you feel like, Oh, he's irresponsible with the football. He's not. What I like is he's actually going out there and, and being aggressive. He's actually going out there and taking chances. And, and they said that they asked, um, uh, too. And they said, you know, what was the goal for today? And he said, the goal was throwing into tight windows and being aggressive. What were the two critiques with Tua last year? I was literally just going to say that. It's like, that's it's interesting because that's exactly what he got crushed for last year was being too safe, not giving his guys a chance, not trying to put the ball in the tight windows yep. because those tight window plays, you make, you, you complete those passes. A lot of times that leads into big chunk plays, if not long touchdowns. So he did exactly what everybody said he should have been doing yesterday. Like I said, like we both said, he did it in a gorilla monsoon. And he's getting crushed for it because he threw five INTs in a mini camp practice. Right. In the first mini camp practice, by the, the way. The first mini camp practice. It's the first mini camp practice, new offense, new weapons. And I'm like, this guy also, I, I joke about it, but it's it's serious. Like this guy has a new body almost. I mean, it's it's he's healed a hundred percent. He's stronger, according to Nick Hicks. Uh, in the interview he did with uh, Reason, he's stronger than he's ever been. He actually trains. I think he's down to like 10% body fat. Like when you get a new car, right? When you get a new car, the first thing you do when you go into test drive is you, okay, how are the brakes? How, 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 how quick does it accelerate? What's the gas like on this thing? How, what can I do with this car? That's what he's doing right now in practice. Oh, I'm stronger now. I can actually throw it into tight windows. I couldn't last year. Let me see what it's like to throw it into a tight window in the NFL while it's practice. And yeah, right. some of those balls are going to get intercepted. No crap. Like it's the NFL. These guys are good, right? It's not just like Tua and a bunch of dumps, you know, like, like people that work on the street or something. No, he's like, got real professional wide receivers that he's throwing to now. Yeah. Like these are professional wide receivers, professional DBs he's going against. And like, they're trying to make a team too. So yeah, a lot of those passes that he throws into tight window on the first day with new weapons in a new offense, like, yeah, they're going to be intercepted, but then comes out today and has six touchdowns, zero interceptions. And while I want to get super, super hyped, because I was like, thank God, he just like, he literally, he himself just shut everyone up because like, there's nothing you can say. He literally shut Adam Beasley up. Adam Beasley didn't say anything today about Dolphins right. practice. And while I want to get super hype, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm the same. I'm the same way for interceptions. I'm like, yeah, what I like to see is that a lot of the touchdowns, it seemed like he was throwing into tight windows. He was being aggressive, throwing the ball deep. I don't care how many touchdowns he throws to. I care about the confidence that like he's learning. Like, I don't care that he had no interceptions. If he would have had another five interceptions or, you know, like three interceptions today, I'd be like, awesome. But like, he had more touchdowns. He's learning. He's being more aggressive. And, you know, again, it's like 
you need to look at certain things in practice, not stats. I like your approach to it because it's a, you know, a life approach that I like to apply to myself and to quote the great philosopher and mad Titan Thanos, you want to live a life of balance. You want to be perfectly balanced. Like everything should be. You can't freak out when he throws five INTs and you can't go wild and, you know, do a yes chant because he throws six touchdowns in, you know, in consecutive days, be measured, be in the middle, be like, and be like, keep telling yourself, yep, mini camp, mini camp. He's supposed to be developing confidence, like you said, developing chemistry with his receivers, developing the ins and outs of what he can and can't do in the offense, figuring out how all his receivers move and all their foot placement. And, you know, how Devontae Parker likes an out route compared to Jalen Waddell liking an out route, which I, I get, I know he's from Alabama. You should know what he's you know going to be doing, but you understand the point here. Yeah. That's yeah. the point of this. It's not like, Hey, these stats, we got to, he threw five picks. We got to start, you know, figuring out the Deshaun Watson stuff again. No, 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 no. It's okay. Like you bring up the car analogy. I'll bring up like when you're in school and you get a new teacher, you figure out what you can and can't get away with. All righty. You, oh, you can't do this, but you can do this. That's the whole point of all of this. All right. He's the number one quarterback. He's the guy. That, that's the end of it. It is. Unless something unforeseen major occurs, he's the guy. And all of this is a more of a learning process because he's only a second year guy. Pump the brakes. If Fitz does this, nobody cares. We're like, ah, oh, that's Fitz. It's all right. He knows he's for he's he's forgotten more about football than you'll ever know. All righty. This is a second year guy. It's okay. No matter what he does right now, no, no, no I, I, I retract that. Not no matter what he does. If he throws a hundred interceptions with no touchdowns in training camp, that would be a problem, but he's yeah. going to have some days where he's awesome. He's going to have some days where he looks pretty pedestrian. That's just what's going to happen. But what, what we want to see is physical and mental growth that, okay, he, he knows he can't throw that kind of a pass. He's going to make a mental checklist there. He can't do that. He yeah. can do that. He figured out he can do that. He, he's not going to do that. He, he tried it in practice. It didn't work. He's not going to go with it. It's like being a stand-up comic. You, got, you go on open mics to see what works and what doesn't. That's what this is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was funny, too, because, uh, again, like we talked about, it was the media, like the local media, overreaction to it, to me, just goes to show you, like, I'm a firm believer, and I, I'm, I don't know where you stand on our local media. Like, I think we have one of the worst – local media beat writers in the NFL. I don't, I've seen how other local beat writers are. And obviously every team has their guy. That's like not good. And we have some good guys. I like Cameron. I like Safid, but like, it was hilarious to me when I looked at national beat writers, like analysts, Bucky Brooks, Matt Miller, people like that. When they got a hold of this story, they were laughing. They were like, it always shocks me. I think Matt Miller did a tweet today and he said, it always shocks me how people, how fans overreact to interceptions in practice. And I quote tweeted it and said, what's even worse is when your local media are the people doing it. And Omar Kelly was like, I hold my quarterbacks to a certain standard and I'm always hard on them no matter who they are. And, you know, I'm sorry that you guys are soft as Tua fans. And I was like, you overreacting to two or throwing interceptions in practice is not about me being soft. It's about you not knowing what you're doing because you're overreacting 
to a quarterback throwing interceptions in practice. Like, don't call me as a fan soft because I'm telling you that you're overreacting. That's your job for not understanding football and for just writing stuff to get clicks to make money. For the folks like Omar, first off, I can't speak to other fan bases. Um, I'm sure that I have read and seen other beat writers of other teams and didn't even realize it. So, like, and I'm sure you're right. Every team's going to have their one or two, three guys that have no problem inter- interjecting their own personal feelings and shticks about how to cover the team. Omar's been doing it for 14, 15 years, like he said in a tweet I saw him today. His deal is now I'm going to I'm going to tell you what happens. Great. I want I, I like when the guys are honest. Tell me exactly what's happening. But he also knows at this point what's going to attract eyes to him. And he knows this. It's a Colin Cowherd approach. If he throws a little, you know, shade towards Tua or, you know, gears his writing and tweets to a way that's going to make you annoyed, he's going to do it. One, maybe for personal satisfaction faction which i get and two he knows it's going to attract eyes to him which again i get i don't you know i, I kind of i respect the hustle and the grift a little bit of it because that's the game these guys are playing Alrighty, i'm not a beat writer if i was i couldn't tell you if, if i would go down that road of doing that i prefer to like give both sides of it i would say something like yep two had a pretty rough day through five interceptions but it's mini camp and it was a, and it was a monsoon out there if you just say all that no one's going to come back at you and be like, oh, well, you're being, you're crushing this guy because of this. If you just say that, you're going to, you know, look really well. I just don't think he cares about looking well. And, you know, folks like Omar and Adam Beasley, I, I, I don't think they care how it looks on them. And if well, that's, if they're okay with that, all right, go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Adam Beasley is, I mean, I'm, I'm just waiting for him to be gone. I think he's gone pretty soon. <laughs> Um, he's not lo- no longer going to be reporting on dolphins. I forget what company he's going to, but um, he's leaving. But yeah, he he and Armando. I mean, I lost respect for them when I I was listening to a podcast that they were talking, and they both agreed that Chan Gailey was the best coach on the Dolphins staff. They said that last year. Like I didn't were, know like, that. <laughs> yeah, they wow. were like they were like Chan Gailey's the best coach on the staff, and they yeah. were like, yeah, I'd have to agree. And I was like, well, I I I was. My, and it was after like, it was like week six or seven, like the Dolphins had won games and like, it was, it was once they put Tua in, like they were like, Chan Gailey was the best coach on the staff. Once that happened, I literally, I kid you not, I was door dashing because it was like when it was kind of towards the middle-ish of COVID and I was door dashing and mid them saying that I just shut the playlist off and never listened to it again or the podcast because Again, what happens with beat writers, and I I did a podcast on this, um, an episode talking about the media and why if you're a fan, if you go to the media like Colin Coward and Omar for Dolphin Opinions, you're not going to the right people because in the media, their number one goal is not to be accurate. It's to get views, clicks. Like that is their number one goal. And so with people like Omar, like, you have to understand people like Omar, Adam Beasley, they're not huge fans of the dolphins. Like we are, they don't give a crap. 
if they write negative no, they stuff. Were, they were assigned to it, which I yeah. get. I understand yeah. that. There's plenty of writers that like they, they got assigned to this job and that's what it is. And it's not their job to like the team. They, they can think the exactly. worst team in the world. Their job is to tell you what's going on with that team. And, and that's what happens is they're cro- I feel like personally, a lot of beat writers cross the line of I'm going to talk my opinion about this team now. And so the average fan like you and I will listen to their opinion. And it's like, you're listening to a guy's opinion that really doesn't care at all. If this team fails or succeeds, honestly, if they fail, he has more to write about. So like, you need to understand that if you're going to go to people for like educated information, it can't be guys who don't have any care or, or say, or, or like care if this team does well or not. And people like Omar, their job should be to let you know as a fan what's happening in practice. If they hear any rumors, your goal, if I'm if I'm like a fan, I don't care about your opinion as a beat writer about the team. Like, I just want you to tell me what I can't see because I don't get the luxury to go to games or to get interviews with people. I don't get that luxury. So it's your job in my opinion, to inform me as a fan of what's going on, not put your sarcastic, pessimistic opinion in it because you think you have the right to since, you know, you're all high and mighty and you've done it for 15 years. Like, that's how I view Omar Kelly. He's that guy, if you ever have that friend that thinks they, like, are way cooler or, like, way more, like, in touch with, like, what's up in the world than they really are. Like, that's Omar. If you ever see him, he's, like, he thinks he's way more pro player. He knows way more than everyone else. Like I guarantee if you asked Omar Kelly, he probably would say he thinks he knows more football than like Brian Flores. Like that is the type of guy he is. And I just, again, I can't, I, I can't deal with people like that that think that everything they say is correct, no matter how pessimistic or negative it is. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. You know, what, what is it? Just, Specifically to Omar, there's a lot of times where I like where he's coming from because I like the straight shooter approach to a uh, of information of where I'm not at. I do. I just feel like for Omar, he takes it not a step too far, but he twists the knife an extra turn and yes. he knows he's doing it. And he knows he's doing it. And we live in a sports culture now where – that is kind of what sells. Go look at any of the the uh, ESPN, FX, FS1. I think the shows are mostly trash, but that's what sells. And I think that's where he's going with this. Is like if I rip on it, if I tell you what happens, but also tell you why it's stupid what they're doing, or they're they're morons for going in this direction. That's going to generate heat on me, which is going to generate more eyeballs on me, which is going to generate more clicks and just people saying my name like we are right now yeah yeah and i mean the the like with joe shad i think joe shad posted a tweet about two having five interceptions and it had like four thousand likes or something like it was the most he's ever gotten or yeah. something like that because again what happens is people will retweet it they have some people who follow sure. them fans of the bills or the chargers that hate the dolphins then they retweet it they like it and then it just gets circulating. And I say that all the time with Colin Coward stuff too. I don't, I honestly should start doing it with our local media. 
But when people like Colin Coward bash the Dolphins, I always say, if you want him to stop talking about it, then you need to stop talking about it. Because the more we talk about it, the more he is. Because he's like, oh, I mean, he doesn't care. Like, he couldn't he care, care less. He could care less if you call him the worst words in the world. Matter. He doesn't even read it, probably. No, he doesn't so, like, care. It, for him, it's a grift. Yeah, it's All like, right? and it's I like, get it, and I understand it. It's good for ratings. He'll tell you himself. He cares about interesting. Guess what? Talking about Tua, especially in a negative light, is interesting. And he he's going all he guy like him. It always leads with interesting. Yeah. I get it. I wrote a I wrote a blog for the Finsider a few months ago. I, I, it was like before the draft, I think, where he was. I think it's when he was saying that Miami should draft a quarterback. It was like a week before the draft, and I just wrote a quick blog about it, being like, guys, this is on purpose. He knows what he's doing. He's he has you all wrapped around his little finger, and he loves it. And he loves it. And I get why he does it. It puts more money in his pocket. It makes his show more relevant. I get it. I understand it. Fine. And that doesn't make me really smart, by the way. I don't want anybody listening to this. Like, oh, CERN thinks he's like a genius for figuring this out. Like, I discovered what the Sphinx is all about. No, no, no. I'm just telling you this is how it goes. And I understand it. It's not that crazy to think about. No, yeah. I mean it's all about getting views it's all about getting likes and so transitioning right let's transition to some contract talk because we got whether it's people getting contracts people wanting contracts people that might soon get a contract the dolphins got um a lot with with uh to deal with with contracts right now um starting off let's start off with uh the the guaranteed what happened Jerome Baker gets 3 years 39 million dollars um guaranteed or th- no 30 28.4 guaranteed three years 39 million just as the the base contract um what are your overall thoughts on like just you know giving baker you know it's it's not actually 13 per year if you think about it he owes like he's owed like 2 million this year and then 28.4 over the next four, three years guaranteed so it's really like a four-year 30 million dollar contract guaranteed uh, which is a little less than eight million per year. What are your thoughts on giving Baker a contract? And um, yeah, start with that. I love the contract. I love the contract more than I like the player. I believe currently this contract makes Jerome Baker the seventh wealthiest middle backer, I believe, in the league. The linebacking class that he came out with is a star-studded class of Break uh, Davis. And honestly, it's the only name I could think of, but I know there's a lot of other good ones uh, on it. And I can look that up in a moment here. So right now, a lot of folks are probably looking at that contract and being like seventh rated or seventh highest linebacker. He doesn't deserve that. Agreed. But in a year or two, he's going to be more middle of the road to almost like around, right, yeah, around 16th to 20th paid linebacker, middle backer in the, in the league. And that I love. I love that. Now, the player. I like Jerome Baker. I like that we drafted him. I thought he has played well. Oh, sometimes I, other times I thought he's played below his abilities. I think he's good against covering backs and tight ends. I don't believe anybody's good at guarding tight ends and running backs. All right. I think that's, I think that's almost an impossible challenge having linebackers guarding these incredibly athletic people. So 
he does well enough in that respect. I think against the run, I think he's suspect against the run more often than I like. Okay. Uh, I love the, the sack he had against Patrick Mahomes, but I've seen it a million times. I get happy every time I see it, but I also remember a lot of times him not reading his keys well and jumping inside uh, and, and just not playing well enough in the middle and big, big runs are, would happen. Now, is that all his fault? All the big gash runs? No, but I, I just distinctly remember a few plays where he would go left or right and it was the wrong read and it ended up being a huge play. I love his leadership. I feel like he is becoming one of the Dolphins leaders. He's one of the oldest guys in the team, like 26 or seven or whatever, whatever it is. So he's like an old man now that Fitz has gone on, on that on that team. So overall, I love it. Love the deal. I love when Miami makes these deals. They're signing guys that they drafted for one. And two, they're signing these very solid pros. And you need solid pros. You need constant professionals on your team. You can't have a team full of 22 pro bowlers. Miami typically gets like no more than two a year. So we should be really used to this. Already, Just give me a guy that you can pencil them in. You pretty much know what you're going to get. And what you get is solid play. And like I said, this contract is going to look great in a year or two. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I love it when they do this. They did it with Parker a couple of years ago. They did it with Eric Rowe last year. They did it with uh, Zach Sealer last year as well. I love when they sign these guys before they're up. That's my favorite thing. Before they're up, they get it done. I hope that trend continues for a couple guys. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with your with your take on, on the Jerome Baker thing. Um again, talking about guys in his class, which I think is the biggest thing. I, you said Raekwon Davis, but I think you meant Roquan Smith. Oh my gosh. No, yep. No, Hand like, up. Oh, That's all, on me. No, dude, we, we all knew um, what you, what you meant, but is yeah. Like, yep. Yep. That's on me. There's so many guys in the, um in that draft class that weren't even first round picks, like just like Darius Leonard and Fred Warner, two yep. of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. Like, they're going to get paid upwards of like at least 16, 17 million per year, which again, if you put that over, you know, six years, I mean, that's like in the $90 million range, like six years, $96 million about if I did the math right. Um, So like Jerome Baker, again, yeah, he's like the seventh highest paid right now, but by this time next year, I highly doubt he'll even be like, top 10 he's most likely going to be in the 15 ish range of highest paid linebackers probably like around 12 or 13 um and again like i think for jerome baker the sky is or or the limit to how good he can be is yet to be determined in my opinion because i don't view player progression at all if they were drafted in 2018 as that rookie year like under adam gase I can't say Mike Kosicki developed a lot that year because they used him as a like inline blocking tight end. So I can't view it like, oh, Mike Kosicki's a fourth-year guy. No, these guys haven't been properly developed, especially on the defensive side of the football, since Flo got here. So for me, again, Baker, I think is you're going to see a jump in performance even this year. Um, and I think the Dolphins know that. Again, typically – when you sign a player earlier than, I guess, than, than they're ready to be signed, it typically is because that team feels like if we wait, he's going to be much better than right now, than when we're signing him. 
And if you wait to sign Jerome Baker, not only will he probably be better next season, because I think he's going to have a good season this year, but again, you wait for guys like Darius Leonard and Fred Warner. Does he deserve to make as much as them? No, but free agency is not about how much I deserve probably to make. It's all about me trying to get as much money as I can. And if you wait for Jerome Baker to get to hit the market, his agent is going to go to Miami and say, well, Fred Warner and Darius Leonard just got 16 and 17 per year. So I want at least 15. I want a round in that ballpark or we're going to go somewhere else. And again, when the Dolphins have money and they have the money, when you have good players on your team, you need to reward them. You need, if, if someone like Baker comes in, does all the things the right way, doesn't complain, team first guy gets better every year. If you have the money to pay him and you can do it early and not have to worry about competing with other teams over him, you do it. And I think it was a no brainer for them to sign him. Um, personally, I'm excited to see what he does on this team. And again, similar with Xavier Howard's contract, which we'll talk about in just a second, like in a couple of years from now, in one, two years, he's not even going to be top 10, you know, by next year, he won't even be top 10, uh, highest paid, uh, for his respective position. So I think it's a, as usual, Chris, we smart move, smart move all the way around on that one. hundred percent agree. Yeah. So let's uh, go into, before we get into Xavier Howard, because he's kind of the big one uh, out of all these three, let's get into Mike Kosicki. Do you anticipate, uh, do you think Mike Kosicki um, by this, or I guess let's say this, do you think Mike Kosicki by the end of the season will have a new contract? Because I think you and I both agree if he doesn't have a new contract by the end of the season, chances are they're not keeping him because of, again, how you and I just mentioned how Greer likes to do contracts with players he wants to keep. Um, do you think Mike Kosicki will get a new contract by the end of the season? I don't No, I think he plays the year out, does whatever he does stat wise, production wise. I think he tests free agency and I can't even say I would blame him for doing that. I think he's a guy whose star is on the rise. He had a really good year last year. You would think you would think that he would put up a similar ish type season and especially when other tight end like what was a kittle who said or kelsey that said he's a top five tight end that that matters that carries weight all righty we that one of the best tight ends in the league saying that kiseki is a top five guy that matters that's gonna play he's gonna use that agent's gonna say hey you got a top five tight end here you might want to you're gonna have to pay this guy top five ish tight end type of money so yeah I don't think he gets signed. Now, I'm optimistic in thinking that Miami will sign him. All righty. I'm optimistic. I know they drafted Hunter Long, and I think partly some of the reason of that was on the off chance that Kaseki walks or even Durham Smythe, whose contract is up as well. Obviously, Smythe's not going to be getting the kind of money that Kaseki is. But I think there is definitely some uh, long game in thinking there for Long. But, yeah, ultimately, yeah, I don't think the contract get done gets done especially if Howard, which is more important right now, that's on the horizon. That's in our face right now. That's going to have to, that, that takes precedent right now over Mike Kiseki. So yeah, I don't think he gets signed by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, my thing on Mike Kiseki is, you know, talking about how if he's going to get re-signed, it's going to be by the end of the season. You'll know, right. By week, I'm trying to see who we play week three Vegas. 
by the end of week three, you'll know. Like, obviously, if they sign him before that, you'll know. But I'm saying if he hasn't been signed yet, you'll know if Mike Kosicki is going to be signed on this team long term based off of how they're using him. If you see Mike Kosicki out there in a traditional tight end role with Hunter Long as tight end two or, you know, as a backup to Mike Kosicki, then you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're not keeping him because I think it's very possible they could be moving towards a multiple tight end role, or I shouldn't say multiple. They're moving towards a more um, versatile tight end role. Uh, we've seen that with Adam Shaheen. We've seen that with them trying to make Durham Smythe more of a pass catcher. They are trying to get tight ends that when you put them on the field, they don't show the defense what play you're running because when Mike Kosicki or Durham Smythe is on the field, it pretty much tells the defense, Hey, they're probably running it or they're probably passing it. Like if Mike Kosicki's on the field, chances are they're going to run it or pass it more than they're going to run it. And I think any offense would try to get away from that type of mindset because you never want to give, you know, your play away before it's even snapped. Um, With Mike Kosicki though, uh, again, I, I'm not sure if they'll sign him or not. I just have to see how he's used. Again, if if he and Hunter Long are splitting roles and they're like, you know, Hunter Long's the backup, then yeah, he's probably not going to be on this team. But if I see Mike Gesicki going out there in the season as a slot, a big slot wide receiver, and then they still have Hunter Long on the field as well with him, then I, I lean towards, okay, they're probably just getting rid of Durham Smythe to try to get a more versatile tight end too, and they're going to keep Mike Kosicki. But, you know, he's one of those people, again, would I like to have him? Yeah, I'd like to have him. I think he's a, I think he's a good player. I think he's very dangerous um, with when, you know, he's on the field. However, he's not one of those people personally that I would be like livid if we got rid of him because I saw the tight end room last year do a lot of good things. And it wasn't always necessarily because of him. It was just because they were playing like real tight ends where it play action passes. You think it's a run because they can block, they go out, you know, short seven to 10 yard gains. So, um, you know, I just, I, I personally, the jury's out on Mike Kosicki right now. Um, as far as if he's going to get a contract or not, I just, I'm not sure yet. I have to wait and see. Uh, as to how they use him. I'm a Gasecki guy. I'm a Penn State alum. Obviously, we all know he is. So he's my guy for life. I was banging on the table for Miami to draft him when they did in the second round, and they did it. So it was like one of the only times in my life I got a draft pick right. Like, it's not like, uh, like we, I think we all knew Tua was getting drafted at five and like Jake Long years ago. Like, we we, we kind of knew that kind of stuff was happening when we got close to it. We wanted Matt Ryan. I I, I know. But like that was like my that was like my my only like real long shot guy that happened. So yeah, and I, I thought he been playing well. I, I think he I will be upset, annoyed, sad if he does not get re-signed. But I get it. For Hunter Long, I I feel like Hunter Long's a guy that like we don't like see him get a catch till like week five. It's like oh there's Hunter Long, third round choice out of BC. That's how I feel like a guy like Hunter Long goes because he has so many guys ahead of him. Uh, but yeah, if you want to, the Dolphins really missed out. Like, they want a versatile guy that can do running and uh, running, blocking, and catching. 
Fizano, you know, they should have got Anthony Fizano. They should go see if that guy's still around. That would really work out because he was like the perfect guy Miami had for, oh, he's a good blocker. Yeah, he's a sneaky good pass catcher. And well, that's 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 how I view um, that's how I view Hunter Long. Like I view him as one of those where he's sneaky good at pass catching, good run blocker. Um, and you know, obviously, we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next two months. It's only June sixteenth uh, right now, but like, remember last year at the beginning of the season, Durham Smythe was tight end one. If you remember, it was Durham yeah. Smythe was tight end one because they were running that traditional who's going to be our traditional tight end and Mike Kosicki was a starter but he was not that traditional tight end um I wouldn't be shocked if this year that was Hunter Long where like at the beginning of the season he's taking a lot of the starting tight end roles because I believe Hunter Long right now is a better tight end than Durham Smythe I would much rather have him and his versatility on the field so like I wouldn't be shocked at all if at the beginning of the season you saw either Adam Shaheen or Hunter Long in a, a starting role. And again, that's where it's going to dictate to me. If, if I see Mike Kosicki out there again with Hunter Long or with Adam Shaheen, but they're playing different roles, like, you know, Mike Kosicki is more of a slot. I'll be like, okay, maybe they are trying to see if they can, you know, keep both. Cause it's a new offense. They have to, they have to test it out. You know, if, if, if Mike Kosicki goes out there and he's a really good weapon for them in the slot, then they're going to keep him. But it's a new offense. So, again, a lot of it has to be tested. They have to see how well Tua – or how well the chemistry is between him and Tua, right? If Tua's not going to him a lot, probably won't be on this team. That's just a rule of thumb. If if Tua does not prefer that type of wide receiver, whatever player it is, chances are they're not going to be on the team, right? We saw that last year. Tua doesn't like 50-50 ball guys like DVP and Preston Williams. Okay, well, let's go out and get Will Fuller to replace Preston as a speed guy, and let's go out and get another speed guy with Jalen Waddle. So, you know, it, it's, it, again, to me, it's a big to be determined. But, um, you know, certainly I wouldn't mind, you know, Mike Kosicki staying. Like, I wouldn't mind paying him because, again, if I see that he's a big weapon for this team and he has a good connection with Tua, I'm all for it. Like, I have no animosity or like i'm not like i don't want hunt you know i don't want mike kosicki on the team i just i don't know yeah um, i agree so okay so we need to transition last thing we're going to talk about with the Xavian. actually we'll talk about uh we talked about practice practice all you need to know uh you know certain what was the biggest thing that happened in practice to you well to, in your opinion? you know not you know kind of a quiet practice if you go on on, on twitter and everything like that concerning you know the 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 offense, but I will say that the Dolphins' most important offensive weapon, Jason Sanders, went four for four with a long of 51 yards today. So it's good that he's having a strong mini camp because without that guy, you know, I'm not sure what, what we're gonna do. And I'm honestly, I'm not being sarcastic here. Without Jason Sanders, this team isn't gonna win as many games as they can. So that guy's, you know, right leg needs to be in mid-season form by week one right and obviously i understand for all those out there listening because i can already see people like we're joking obviously we know to had a good day we're joking about you know jason sanders being the the highlight because i can already tell some people might not understand it'd be great to find some people who didn't understand that right right but uh (laughs) no but in all seriousness like jason sanders dude like he is mr perfect 
he like he needs to be um he is going to be a huge part of this team and it's weird because we don't talk about him that much or you don't hear about him a lot but i can't tell you the amount of games like in his career that he's won for us and that's what kickers do you know whether you agree with how much power they have um as kickers you know being able to win and lose games for you single-handedly have more of an impact on the game than most other players um like Jason Sanders is going to be huge for this team because I wouldn't be shocked. You know, when my, when you have a competitive team like Miami in those games against Buffalo, Tampa Bay, the Colts, it might come down to a field goal. You yeah. Know? Against the good teams. Yeah. A lot of times it comes down to a field goal. There's a reason why the Vegas line, the most popular Vegas line is three points. There's a reason for that. Yeah. And, and so we're, um, you know, that's, that's going to be a huge development, but yeah, it was weird because it came out of nowhere. We just heard, Tua throwing, you know, touchdown, touchdown, uh, looks good, blah, blah, blah. And then at the very end, they were like, oh, yeah, Jason Sanders didn't miss a field goal today. Longest was from 51. And you were like, oh, okay, yeah, the GOAT. Got you. Just doing his thing. Just doing his thing, as always. No shocks there. Um, So let's finish off with Xavier Howard. I want to start with you because I kind of had a revelation yesterday. I kind of got heated. I was, like, debating myself <laughs> almost. Did you win? I hope you won. But you yeah. also lost, though. You won and lost yeah, at the I, same I, time I, since you were going against yourself. Yeah, so I, I want to start with you. Get your thoughts on the whole Xavier Howard contract situation because, um, yeah, I have I have some thoughts on it, and then obviously I want to get your thoughts on my thoughts. Hmm, that's meta. Um, it sucks. It's not fun as a fan, all righty? He's the best player on the team, hands down, not even close. He's the best guy on the Dolphins. He might be the best guy in the Dolphins over, over the last five plus years. If I really looked at it, the best player that they had. And it sucks because for me anyway, I understand where he's coming from. I get it. He had 10 interceptions last year. Yeah, I get it. I also understand. He signed a four-year extension for $75 million uh, not too long ago. And now he's coming right back saying, I want more money. I want more money than, you know, allegedly more than Byron Jones. Okay. I wish he would sign a Bret Hart WCW contract where Bret Hart famously signed a contract and he wanted one penny more than Hulk Hogan. Give him, give him, you know, a similar type incentive based contract that gives him one penny more than Byron Jones. That that works. You would, to me, the Dolphins are going to try to offer him the best of both worlds approach, which is, yep, we'll pay you more. We'll, We'll pay you $20 million a year. But you're going to have to earn all that in, in with incentives. All righty. That would be to me fair, you know, as long as the dolphins didn't jerk them around and like take them off the field, which I don't think they would do. I don't think Flores is that kind of guy. I really don't never met the guy. I just don't think he would do something like that. I don't think he mess with a guy's money like that. But yeah, like I said, it sucks because we all want the guy to play. We want him out there week one. We want him wearing the Jersey out there in new England, in Foxborough. And Unfortunately, we're going to have to deal with this uncertainty until something happens, until either it comes out that he signed, that he just showed up, or hopefully not. The Dolphins are listening to calls, and they're making it known that they're listening to calls. They're always listening to calls, but they're making it known that they're listening to calls to see what they can get for him. One of those three options are the only three options, and it sucks because he's awesome. We want to see him out there. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, before I get into it, right, I want it to be known because you know this, but I want to be known to those listening. 
I want Xavier Howard on this team. I want them to give him a contract. I can imagine the debate will be between the his agent and the Dolphins will be Xavier Howard once more guaranteed. Dolphins will say we will pay you more. However, we want it to be incentive based because you've had off the field issues and injury issues in the past. So we will yes. pay you 21 million per year, but it needs to be based off your performance. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with that, but I guarantee you that's the, the issue. It's not how much they want to pay him because Chris Greer will pay people, especially someone valuable like X. The problem is going to be, again, guaranteed versus incentive-based contract. Um, so I want everyone to know, I want X on the team. I don't want him to be traded. I hope he gets a new contract. With that in mind, though, we need to separate that thought from what I'm about to say. As someone who, uh, if I wasn't a Dolphin fan and I didn't have any, if X was on the team or not on the team, it didn't change my football team. It didn't affect I know what you're gonna say. my life. I cannot tell you how badly it pisses me off that Xavier Howard wants a new contract because this is what you as a Dolphin fan need to understand X agreed to the agent he had. X agreed to the contract that his agent agreed to. He chose to have a five-year, $75 million deal at the time, making him the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL. Now, because he plays well, we as fans have to suffer thinking, is our best player going to play for us now? His teammates have to suffer thinking, is X going to be here for practice because he messed up and signed a contract that now two years later, he's not happy with. And the argument that you always hear, because I hear this argument all the time from people that think they're quote unquote pro player, you hear, okay, well, if a team is, has a player like X and he doesn't play well, they expect him to take less money. And to that, I say, it's also wrong. If a guy's not playing well, that's your fault for giving him more money than he probably was worth. If bro, if Jerome Baker goes out there this year and sucks, they shouldn't ask him to take less money because that's your fault for make, for paying him more than he was probably worth. And so like, again, as a fan, I really want him on the team right? because he is going to help our team win. He has an, it, like the team winning has like a direct impact on my life. Like I, like when the Dolphins win. But if I were not a fan, I would like, I can't tell you how upset and annoyed I get when any player does this. Because first of all, Xavier Howard in his career, just mind you, has earned like $26 million guaranteed at signing. That's more than your, your family has probably made in the entirety of your family history. $26 million Someone like him has made it just guaranteed at signing. So that's one issue that I have. I just don't understand it as a player, but I don't care if players try to get their money. That's what I need people to understand. I don't care when players try to get their money. If you're a free agent, go get the most money you can. No issue with that. I would do the same thing. You would do the same thing. Whoever's listening, you would always try to go get the most money. But if you agree to a deal with your agent, it is not my fault now as a fan that I have to deal with, are you going to be on the team anymore? Because two years later, you're not happy with the contract that you signed. And so 
again, on top of that, you add the fact, you know, I'm a fan and I deal with it because I want him on the team. But dude, let's not forget, you have had a DVI incident. You, you hurt, you, you had a domestic violence incident with your girlfriend or fiance and she dropped the charges. You were involved in another off-field incident that apparently you weren't at, but you were in the area of. You've had injury histories. So why in, in God's, in, in, in like, why would I, it, again, I'm not saying this as a fan. I'm saying this as a person, you agree to the contract. Don't come to me now. Cause you had a good season and you're trying to get more money. Just like if he had a bad season, a team shouldn't go to him and ask him to take less. You have the contract. You all agree to it, whether it's the GM or the player, I can't tell you how badly it annoys me and upsets me. Because I'm like, I just, I don't get why your mistake now is making us fans and your teammates suffer because of it. Because now it's like, they're the bad guys because they didn't give you enough money. Okay, well, you agreed to it. And if you thought you were better than what you got the contract with, like if you thought you were better than the money you got, then you should have negotiated better. If you thought you were capable of 10 interceptions, then you should have negotiated better. But here you are shocked that you had 10 interceptions which was a shocking thing because no one's done it in like 10 years but here you are making your teammates wonder if their best player is going to play for them ever again or if our fans who bought your jersey if you're ever going to play for them again because you're not happy that you make 12 and a half million a year you had 26 million guaranteed at signing and you have a five-year 75 million dollar contract like Again, it's a separate thought from me as a fan. I hope he gets his contract. I want him on the team. I don't want him to not be on the team. However, the human part of me that doesn't care about the Dolphins and doesn't care if, you know, this team does well or not, just if I wasn't a fan of the team, I I can't, I can't, I can't deal with players that do that. Again, he's not a Jamal Adams, a, a Stefan Gilmore that had a contract five, six years ago. This is a guy that right before Flo got here, got a new contract. And here he is saying, I want you to pay me all this guaranteed money, despite my past history off the field and injury wise, give me all this money because I messed up my contract and you're not paying me enough. Well, the Dolphins certainly have grounds to stand on and be like, well, you're all, you want all this, but we have kind of a, a slight laundry list of, uh, of, of uh, problems that you have caused in society. And we don't like that because no one does. We don't like lawbreakers on the team, like public ones. And especially some of the things that he has been, you know, involved with charges dropped, notwithstanding. And then also do you have a bit of a history of getting injured? Okay. That can't be ruled out. You missed games last year. All righty. You miss games every single year. You're awesome when you play. You're the best cornerback in the league when you play. No one's denying that. So I understand that coming from a fan. If I take my Dolphins hat on and just look at the NFL as a whole, like if Xavier Howard was on the Vikings or the Raiders, and I saw, like, oh, he's, he's holding out, he wants more money, he signed a few years ago, I would definitely think I, I, I could see myself saying, like, yeah, you could probably trade him and get a ton of picks. You know, um, he's a cornerback. Those guys typically have, you know, short shelf lives of being dominant. And then once they drop off, they don't really ever get it back. So yeah, I can understand that. I, I can definitely see myself saying that, but I am a Dolphins fan. And that's why I want the guy to be there week one. Uh, the morals of, of what he's doing. I still get it. I understand why he's doing it. 
I get it. These guys have, a, like I said, a short shelf life. Especially for him. He's going to want to get paid every single year as much as he can. Now, people will bring up, like, oh, this will set a precedent. No, it won't. Want to know why? Because not everybody is Xavier and Howard. Not every, guy, not every guy had 10 interceptions. So if, like, Jerome Baker balls out for Jerome Baker's standards this year, he doesn't have any grounds to come out and say, well, I played really good last year. Oh, yeah. What about the other three years where you were kind of above average? How about that? So that's not going to set a precedent. So to put a bow on this, for me anyway, I want him on the field week one. I personally think something will get done before week one to put him on the field because this is not Mike Gusecki. Mike Gusecki, they can handle that later on in the, in the, in the year. This is immediate, and it needs to be taken care of. Not immediately, but this can't, I, I hope anyway, doesn't get into mid to late August and we're like, oh, geez, is this guy going to be here or not? I, I just want to take him care of. I want him on the team. I don't want to have to do this again next year, even if, if they do sign him, but I want him on the team. I want him on the field week one because he's awesome at what he does. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, and and here's the thing I should I should have said, and I wish I would have said earlier. The main problem I have is that he's not there. The main problem I have is, look, if you want a new contract and you're there practicing and you're like, look, I'm going to come, but like, just know I do want a new contract. And like, I, I, I want this to happen by the beginning of the year or else maybe I, I won't play games or something like that. That would be an issue. Like I won't play games if I don't get this done, but it's the fact that like, dude, you, I, you've you've gotten twenty six million dollars. You're making twelve point five million this year, and you're not even going to show up to practice. He hasn't shown up to anything this whole season or off season because of the contract. Like, there's a difference. If he was coming to practice, but he was like, "Yeah, you know, agent and I are talking about getting a new contract," then I feel different because I'm like, "Okay, look, yeah, he's just trying to get money, but he's oh, not." Oh yeah, it would look a million times better. He's not uh, trying to affect his team. I can't. I can't. When when players hold out, I can't describe to you the anger. <laughs> it, it's not good for me because, like, again, I can't understand what they're going through because they're NFL players. But then again, I like people who were upset with Kyle Van Noy getting cut. I was like, you're upset that he made $15 million in one year to play average football and get outplayed by Andrew Van Ginkle. You're upset. Like, don't feel upset for Kyle Vannoy because he got cut after one season. Dude made $15 million this year in one season, and now he's going to go make about that in two years over in New England. So, like, again, I just don't understand that philosophy or how these players come off being like, you know, just got a deal two years ago that I agreed to, but now I'm going to make my team and my fans suffer because of an issue that I have with my past agent. Like, it just it doesn't not- matter with me. Little full disclosure here. They don't much care how we feel, and probably yeah, a lot no. of them don't care about how their teammates feel because the teammates are going to be like, "It's a business. It's a business. Yeah. It's a business. And, it's a cliche we, line, but it's real. It's a business. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about another guy's money. No, I'm not going to no, do they, that. They of course, never, they want him there, but yeah. it, it, they'll just keep repeating. It's a business. He's got to do what's best for him, and this is what he thinks is best. Yeah, it sucks. We'll handle it one way or the other. And, and you always, and I, again, I, I hear that all the time too about like how the the team would do the same thing to Xavier. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't make it right either. Like, I'm not saying Xavier shouldn't do this, but it's okay if they ask him to take less money. Like, once you agree to the contract, 
that's the bed you sleep in. Unless it's a, a mutual thing where, you know, you're not going to hold out and you want to restructure. That's fine. I'm not saying like if, if the team was like, Hey, let's restructure your deal. And Xavier's like, Oh, awesome. They get it done before the season. I don't have an issue, but like, dude, come on. You're going to hold out and not come to practice, not be there with your teammates because you messed up and signed a bad contract, which again, I don't know what you consider bad. Me making $26 million by signing a piece of paper. It's a pretty good deal to me. Um, but again, like if you want to come to practice, that's great. Come to practice, let those issues be resolved off the field, but don't now make us as fans worry. Is our season now going to get worse because we might not have X or your teammates thinking, Hey, one of the leaders on this team, nonverbal, but one of the guys on this team that is our best player, not showing up like that just to me, again, it doesn't fly. And I hope he's on the team. Cause I want foreign first and foremost, our team to win. Yeah, man. I just, uh, it rubs me the wrong yeah. way when any player does it. No, I mean, there is no positive holdout. Like there's never been a holdout where it's like, Oh man, this guy not, not showing up and demanding more money. Great for the team. Great for morale. Everybody's just really pumped. That's that doesn't happen. So every one of these situations stink and it, it stinks even more when it's a guy on your team, especially a guy at the caliber of Howard. Yeah. And, and you know, the saying, They'll tolerate you until they can replace you. Um, again, with that, look, I, I, I just made a tweet right before we started recording, and I said, I am very curious to see what Noah Igbenogany does. And obviously, it only matters what what he does in games. He could, you know, There's tons of people, great in practice, sucking games. But we heard last year, like in practice, he was struggling a lot. Uh, he was getting like burnt on routes by Preston Williams left and right by DVP. And all I've heard, anytime there's a negative play on offense, it's like, you know, Noah Igbenogany breaks uh, what would have been touchdown. Noah Igbenogany, great play on the ball, interception, batted ball. And like, again, a team will tolerate you until they can replace you. And I'm not saying Noah Igbenogany will be as good as Xavier Howard at the start of the season or or maybe ever, probably won't be, right? Because Xavier Howard- I would think Howard, not. It'd be awesome if he was. <laughs> yeah, but but I'm not saying that. I don't want people to think, oh, okay. No, so you, I, I know, I know. You're thinking Noah's going to be X. No, I'm not saying that. But I can bet you this contract, if they feel like Noah's playing well and they can survive or they can play good football with Noah and Byron, that's not going to make this contract go any faster. You want to know if how Xavier's going to get a fast contract? If he gets one really quick, probably means Noah's not looking good. Because if he is looking good, they're in no rush. I, I'll tolerate, and I can promise you, the Dolphins organization, they're tolerating this. I, I If they had someone like a J.C. Jackson in New England on the team as well, they don't care. They're like, okay, dude, you know what? I, I, I don't know what the issue is. We're going to trade you. It's the problem that Byron is not really a primary number one cornerback. And as of right now, they don't have anyone to replace him, um, you know, I just well, and I, the I Dolphins just fixed. The Dolphins have no shortage of defensive backs that they can throw out there to attempt not to exactly replicate Xavier Howard, but to get by without Xavier Howard. They have around, I want to say, around 11 billion uh, cornerbacks, defensive backs in the team that they're going to roll through here. So, like I said, if if Noah struggles, maybe you see Howard get signed. But everything that you hear about. Igbenogany or Iggy, as he affectionately likes to be called, I'm sure. 
uh, he's doing really well. Like even today, there were a lot of, you know, uh, tweets out there today saying he looked really sharp again out there, that he's taking it seriously. Not saying he wasn't last year, but his year one, the year two, the year one, year two jump that you always hear about, like it's looking like it's sinking in to him. But we really won't know until real games happen. So, yeah, yeah that's where we're at with that, I think. And if our becomes more um, well-balanced, on defense and our offense can play better. Like I, again, I, I want X on the team. You don't need Xavier and Howard on your team. If your defense is well balanced, if you can rush the passer. Oh but, yeah. And Absolutely. if these can play well and your offense is actually like uh, efficient. And like last year we scored points, but a lot of it was because of turnovers we had on defense. But if our offense is rocking and rolling Tua is getting better in year two, our defense can actually rush the passer. The you don't I the reason why I want X is because I haven't seen our defense do it yet. I haven't seen our defense be well balanced, but man, they did everything they needed to to be. They got Jalen Phillips, they got Benardrick McKinney, they got better on the defensive line, they got a safety who can actually play safety, they got nickel corners. So, like again, that's what I said. If the Dolphins feel like, hey, we don't actually need to rely on X. Obviously, you want X. You know, your team is better with him. But, like, if the Dolphins can think, like, hey, the Kansas City Chiefs don't have Xavier Howard. The Buccaneers don't have Xavier Howard. A lot of teams don't have Xavier Howard, and they win a lot of games. So, if the Dolphins yeah. feel like, hey, we're a good enough team to where we don't need X now to save us and, and on defense, like. They'll move them. They'll move him. I can this team. This team has already shown countless times. Well, probably like five or six, to be honest with you. They've shown the propensity to be like, oh, that guy's really good. Guess what? We're going to move him because we feel like it. It's going to help the team out in the long run. If the defensive line and the linebacker, if they're getting pressure and everything is clicking on defense and you don't need to have, you know, vice grips on the boundary corners, they'll ship them off. I really think they would do that. Flores and company is that, are, are that confident in what they're doing. And especially if they see it working. Yeah. Goodbye X. And, and do I, do I need to say more than Eric flowers and Calvin Noy? Calvin Noy, They were like, Hey, uh, you know, that fifth round pick from 2019, uh, Andrew Van Ginkle. Yeah. He's outplaying you every single time he's on the field. Statistically, he has better grades than you in every area of play. So, Hey, we're going to replace you with a cheaper version. Yeah, we're paying you. Hey, Eric flowers. I know we're paying you $10 million a year, but that guy we drafted last year in the fourth round, Solomon Kinley, he's playing just as well as you, and he's a rookie in the fourth round, so we're going to replace you. Like, yeah. this team is not – like, again, everyone questioned the Noah Igbenogany move, but again, if Noah can go out there and play good, solid football – again, he doesn't have to intercept the ball all the time. You, you don't – that's not what a good corner is. He Xavier Howard's a pick artist – but Jalen Ramsey's not a pick artist. He's a good corner that locks down guys. If you can have guys that can do that, I can promise you, Xavier Howard is not going to be on this team for much longer. Not saying I want that. Again, I, I haven't seen it yet from Neither my defense, And I want Xavier Howard on the team because even if Noah's good, he's not Xavier Howard. However, if this team feels like, and I trust Flo's decision on it, if he feels like, yeah, uh, I'm seeing Noah in practice. I've seen a good jump from him. We don't need him. I've seen Jalen Phillips. We can rush the passer. Javon Holland's a ball hawking safety, so we don't need another ball hawk anyway. Like, if they, if Flo 
here's the thing. When it comes to defensive players, if Flo doesn't want you, I trust it. Like Kyle Van Noy, so many people freaked out. If Flo brought, yeah, I was fine in, with it. If Flo brought you in and he worked with you and he doesn't want you anymore, I I have no reason to now to to want you. Because if he doesn't, I don't I don't I don't care. He knows way more about defense than I'll ever know. So I like, agree. if he's like, yeah, we're moving off Xavier Howard, then I'm like, okay, they must feel confident in what they have. I wouldn't be ecstatic because again, I'd have to wait and see what our defense looks like. But um. You know, excuse me. Sorry, one second. You're good. Um, no, but if Xavier Howard again, like, if if he better hope again, I'm I'm betting he's hoping that Noah's not going to do too too well, but he better hope that again Noah doesn't or Noah doesn't do well because if he is doing well, this is not the team to be messing with because they will move your you know what real quick. Yeah, they, they've shown again, like I said, they they've shown they have no qualms shipping a guy out when no one sees it's coming, when nobody thinks it's going to happen, when it looks like there's no reason for it to happen, they'll ship you out and get a treasure trove of picks, and they'll play that game again. This team loves picks. They have the most trades, 28 trades in the last since Greer became the acting GM, I believe, the most by a lot in the league. They love it. They love picks, man. They're all for it. It's all about keeping one hand on the wheel for the following season, if not seasons. Okay. They love that world. Love like, it. Listeners understand that like Matt and I don't want this to happen. We wouldn't be shocked if it happened or if, if no is good, neither of us want this to happen. Um, I mean, cause again, I saw like Jarvis Landry, good player, wanted a new contract that I understood. Cause like, okay, pay the guy. He wasn't a first round pick. He wants a new contract. He's earned it. They yeah. shipped him off. Don't ship off your good players. However, again, the X is a different situation to me. And he's one of those players where if I wasn't a Dolphin fan, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, get rid of him now because I don't want him on the team. I don't like that type of player. But because I am a fan, I'm like, keep him. He's good. Um, and, you know, the better Noah does, the better I feel about the situation because right now I don't feel good about it because I saw Noah last year. He struggled. Yeah. Rightfully so. That's that's the only reason we care, really, to be honest. Like, if Xavier Howard was really good, but we knew we had Patrick Sertan, we drafted Patrick Sertan or something, yeah. we would not – we would care because we want Xavier right. Howard. But yeah, but the would blow like, would be softened a lot if yeah, we had like, a guy like, right. waiting like that. Yeah, so anyway, just wanted viewers to know, like, we want Xavier Howard on the team, and we hope he gets a contract because our team is better with him. However, it just – it does rub me the wrong way, and I wanted to say that because – I thought about it yesterday and I was like, yeah, that just, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't fly with me. And, um, but nonetheless, hope he's on the team and hope he gets that contract. Yes, sir. So that's it for today, man. I appreciate your time. It's been an hour and 10 minutes. I appreciate you spending your time with me today. Appreciate um, being here. Yeah. I'll definitely have you on more. Um, you know, thanks for talking everything dolphins. And if Tua throws a couple more interceptions, I hope that uh, you as well as most people out there don't overreact to it. I'll try not to. I'll yeah. Not to. Yeah. It's, it, try. It, I'll do my best hard. not to lose my mind about it. It's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's hard not to overreact yeah. to, to a second. I'll try year not to punch out, punch out any drywall or anything like that. Right. Over a, over a second year quarterback throwing interceptions in June. Yeah. So, anyway, man, thanks. Appreciate nah. your time. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah. You too. Thank you.
Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami 